Hello everybody and uh, welcome to our Illumination Youth Service. If you are not a teenager and you've uh, and you've joined us for the session, it's okay, you can still stay. Or if you like, you can head over to our uh, Church at Home page, which is on our Christchurch Midran website, and you can find our full Sunday service there, as well as material that's for kids. Um, but if you stay with us, that's great. We're more than happy to have you. For the rest of our teenagers, guys, I've missed, I've missed you. I mean, yes, yes, we've, many of us have seen each other at Zubination on Friday, which is uh, our youth meeting on Friday that we do over Zoom. Uh, and if you want to come join that, you can. It's at half past seven on Friday. Just go to our TikTok page, scroll down to one of the videos. We've put some of the details there. Um, but I've missed seeing you guys in person. I've missed hanging out with you guys. Um, but there's one thing that I'm really grateful for is that despite this lockdown, uh, despite our limited interaction, God is still working. Uh, and I've heard some amazing stories of how God is changing people's lives. God is doing great things, and I'm very encouraged by that. But let me stop waffling, and uh, why don't I get on with the lesson that we're going to be hearing from God's Word today. So let's, let's pray um, before we start. Father God, I just thank you so much that... Uh, even in the midst of um, the quarantine and, and the suffering that many people are going through, you are still working and you are still doing great things. Father, your spirit still works and you still are mighty, God. Uh, that never changes. And so, Father, I do pray that your Holy Spirit will be on us now. I pray that your spirit will be on me as a Bible teacher, um, that I may teach your word faithfully. Uh, and I pray, Lord, that uh, those who are listening, that your spirit will be on them as well, um, that they will hear you speak and that their lives will be changed. I pray this in your name. Amen. So if you've, uh, well, let me start with this. Uh, let me ask you a question. What is your plan for the rest of today. Well, let me ask you this. What is your plan for the rest of this week? Or, and I know uh, COVID-19 makes us a little bit difficult and lockdown makes us a little bit difficult, but what is your plan for the next few months? What's your five-year plan? Or your 10-year plan? See, this is often what happens in life. We get asked these questions. We, we get asked things like, what is our five-year plan? What is our 10-year plan? Well, I, I have another question to add to this, which is, what is your 300-year plan? Or what's your 5,000-year plan? Now, you might think I'm crazy, like something's gone wrong with me mentally. Some of you already know that I'm a bit of a crazy person. I've been for a long time. <laughs> Or you, you at least think I'm crazy. Um, <laughs> but, but I do sound like a crazy person to say that you can have a 300 year plan or a 5,000 year plan. Well, the reason I can say that is because what we're going to see in God's word today is that if you're a Christian, death is not the end for you. If you're a Christian, death is like a small blimp. It's like a transitioning phase to a far better life. And so, as Christians, we know that death is not the end. We will live for 300 years. We will live for 5,000 years. 
That means we can have a 10,000-year plan. We can have a 20,000-year plan because we will live forever. And it will be a joyful forever. If this is your first time with us, uh, we've been doing a series called Unbreakable. And what we've been looking at is how God is this unbreakable, unchangeable, unmovable, unshakable rock which we are called to build our lives upon. Uh, a few weeks back, we started the series, and um, I looked at one of Jesus' parables where he teaches about uh, the difference between building your house upon the sand versus building your house upon the rock. And he says, a man who builds his house upon the sand, when the storms come, that foundation cannot hold the house because the foundation is only sand. But when a storm comes and your house is on a rock, it will stay standing. Now the Lord uses this parable to show us what is the firm foundation we need to build our lives upon. And he says that there's really only two foundations that we build our lives upon. It's either him or something else. But it's definitely something else. And if you remember a few weeks back, we asked this question. We said, this is how we find out what the foundation of our lives are. We asked the question, what is it that makes you feel like your life is falling apart? Because when you ask that question, you find out what you put at the foundation of your life is. And we gave some examples. We said, sometimes you may, may feel like your life is falling apart because your relationships break down. In which case, perhaps your boyfriend or your girlfriend is the foundation. Or if you lose your job, perhaps your work or your career or your success is your foundation. And so we put those things as the foundation of our lives. And they should be parts of the walls, but we put them as the foundation. And so when the storm comes and it hits the house and we feel like a house is broken apart, it's because the house is fallen away from the foundations. And the storms in life are generally the things like it's suffering, it's persecution, um, it's temptation, it's a whole lot of things that really can shake up the house and cause us to often see what our foundations are and to see that our foundations don't work. But the joy is that when we trust in the Lord, when the Lord is our foundation, He is a rock that cannot be moved. And so what we then did through the next few weeks after that first sermon is we gave, we looked at reasons as to why we should trust in this rock. Uh, and Black looked at the sovereignty of God, the fact that God is in control of everything. Uh, I looked the next week at the reliability of the word of the God, the fact that God speaks through his Bible and his Bible is faultless. Um, Black looked at the friendship aspect of God. He is a friend who never leaves. And then last week, Black looked at how God has solved our biggest problem, which is sin. Now, I want to do two things uh, for the rest of this talk. And the second thing I'll get to a little bit later. But the first thing is, um, I want to share a bit of a story. Because the, the above things that I've mentioned now are all reasons to trust in the rock. They are all aspects of Christianity that show the rock to be trustworthy. But let me share with you a story on how all these aspects of Christianity come together and show that the rock is trustworthy. So when I uh, finished school, I took off a year from school uh, and 
and I spent a few months, I took a year off, sorry, I took a gap year, and I spent a few months in the United States of America working on a camp there. Um, now, let me tell you some stuff about me before I went to America. Um, I was a Christian who had built myself up this beautiful Christian bubble that I was too scared to step out of. So I decided to surround myself with only Christian things. Uh, I had got rid of my non-Christian music. I had got rid of my non-Christian books. So I was only reading Christian books. I was only listening to Christian music. I was only hanging out with my Christian friends. Uh, I was spending a lot of time in church. And uh, and I didn't want to step out of my Christian bubble. Uh, and now it's not, you know, it's not a bad thing to... And, um, to have a lot of Christian things in your life. Um, and in some cases, it's not a bad thing if you to get rid of your non-Christian music. You know, there's reasons for that. You can do that. I'm not judging you if you've done that. But what it did to me is it, it made me fear to step out of my Christian bubble. And so I hated going to school because uh, school was often where I was stepping into the non-Christian world and was surrounded by non-Christian things. And all I wanted to do was run back to my cozy little Christian bubble, my cozy little Christian comfort zone. Um, and I think God knew this was a wrong thing in my life because he decided to shake it up. Um, and so, what, you know, what do you... What, what kind of things do you want to do when you finish school and you're a Christian when you really only want to do Christian things? Um, and uh, the one thing that I decided to do was I decided let's work on a Christian camp in the United States. Um, and so I went online and I looked at a whole bunch of Christian camps and um, I found this one Christian camp. It was a YMCA camp. Uh, YMCA is an organization. It stands for Young Men's Christian Association. Um, and it's across the world. And I thought, this is awesome. I'm going to go get involved in uh, this YMCA camp. And I, I looked at this thing online, and it was just amazing. They had um, paintball shooting. They had horse riding. They had archery. Um, they had rock climbing, wall climbing, a whole lot of adventure stuff. They had this... It was set in this beautiful location, just surrounded by trees, and there was lakes. Uh, it looked like this oasis, and they had—I mean—they had boats activities. It was just—it looked like an awesome paradise to go to. Um, but the most exciting thing for me was that this was like a Christian camp, and I had never ever traveled before. I had ne- never been in an airplane. Uh, never been to another country. Uh, that's what I mean by travel. And um, I remembered getting on the plane. And yes, I was nervous because I was leaving home. But the feeling that overwhelmed me was excitement. I pictured every day that like kids were going to get saved. Um, I pictured hanging out with Christians all the time. I pictured singing songs to the Lord. Um, I, I pictured this total uh, Christian bubble that I was entering into, my little Christian bubble entering another Christian bubble, and I was just so excited about this. And I won't forget uh, my first few moments um, being at the camp. I had been traveling for like two days because it was, a, I mean, I won't get into that, but it was a lot of flying and a lot of driving. And so I eventually arrived at the campsite at midnight. It was 12 o'clock at night. Um, and I had to take my bags to my bed. Uh, and at that time, uh, none of the campers had arrived yet. Uh, it was going to be two weeks of training with leaders. And um, they had a, 
two small halls that they put beds in, one for the girls and one for the guys. And I remember taking my bags to my bed in this hall, putting my bags by my bed. And then I remembered walking to this door at the end of the small hall. And as I walked through this door, there was a TV outside with all the leaders sort of like huddled around it. And on that TV, they were watching a full-blown porn film. Not one of those R-rated films like uh, The Hangover or something like that where it just has a few dodgy scenes in it. No, this was a full-on adult entertainment film. And it shocked my senses. In fact, I actually remember um, just like chatting to one of the guys and just saying, Hey, sorry, is, is anybody like anyone's Christians here? This guy looked at me and he was like, not to my knowledge. So I freaked out. And I ran to my bed and, uh, and I literally had a freak out moment. I was shaking for about two hours. And um, the reason why I was shaking was I felt completely alone. And I don't know if you know what that feeling is like. Sometimes you can suffer... And you can be surrounded by people, but you still feel all alone because at that point you feel you're the only one who's going through your problem and no one else can help you. And I was feeling that feeling because I had traveled, I was far away from home. Um, I was the only one of my culture, there was no other South Africans. I was the only Christian. And I realized I had come to a camp that wasn't what I expected. It wasn't a Christian camp. I can be completely pulled out of my comfort zone and I was properly freaking out. I couldn't phone home because I didn't have a cell phone yet. Uh, that was one of the things I would organize when I was actually in America for a few days. I didn't have a phone and I couldn't go and run to a computer and try and Skype my parents or a phone and, and try and phone my parents. I couldn't because it was midnight. So I went into a state of shock and I remember shaking all over. And then two hours later, this thought came into my head. I looked at my hands like this. And I, I realized that if, if I have the Holy Spirit in me, if I'm a Christian and I have the Holy Spirit in me, that means... God isn't here. God isn't here. God isn't here. In other words, I realized that God was with me. See, I could, I can travel from South Africa. I can travel far away from home and leave my family, but I can never leave God. And in the moment I realized that God was with me, that he was there in the room with me. Suddenly, the shaking stopped. The panicking stopped. <laughs> and this wonderful form of peace came over me. Why did that happen? Well, <laughs> because God was with me. And you, now you might say to me, you might say to me, Gareth, sh you, surely you can't say God can be with you. I mean, God... God can't sit with sinners 
and you do things wrong. I'm sure you're a normal person. You do things wrong. How can God be with you? Well, that's the joy that Black spoke about last week. Um, my biggest problem was sin. Sin was the thing that was separating between, that was causing a separation between me and God. So if sin is defeated, it means that there's nothing between myself and God. So God doesn't look at me and see my actions and go, well, I'm not going to sit with you because he doesn't, he doesn't look at that. He looks at Jesus. And so when he looks at Jesus, he sees someone who's perfect, who's died for me, which means God can literally be with me during my times of struggle. And the great thing is what, what brought me more comfort was the fact that I knew God is, it's not just any God. There's not just any God sitting with me. This is the God who's in control of everything. The God who is sovereign. When you are, when you're freaking out like I was, you're freaking out because you don't know what the next day holds. You don't know what the day after that holds. And you're confused about so many things. You, you, you don't know how to think. You don't know how to feel. You don't know what to do. You lose, you lose control. But what a joy it is to be able to trust in the God who is in control. The God who knows me better than I know myself. The God who knows the people who I'm freaked out by better than they know themselves. And not only is this God in control, he's not just sitting there aloof, like with his back turned to me. He's, he actually wants to know me. Because the other thing that we've seen in the series is that he... He's an ultimate friend. He wants to be with us. How comforting is it to know that in that time of struggle when the storm was raging, I could talk to my Lord and he'd listen because he cares. And then the other thing that I could trust in, and I remember doing this, after feeling this peace, I grabbed my Bible and I just started reading the Psalms. <laughs> and the reason why why the Bible brings comfort is because sometimes when we're struggling, right, we can chat to different people and we can go online, but often we don't know who to trust. Even with our friends, our friends can be trustworthy. They can be trustworthy people, but they can all say different things to help us. Uh, and it's not because they're trying to be mean. It's just because they're sharing different experiences. And we don't know which one to choose because we know our friends aren't perfect as well. We can go online and we can read a whole lot of articles and we just get so much stuff thrown at us that we don't know which one to choose. We don't know which one to trust. Well, the great thing is, is that because God's word is perfect, it is faultless. It means we can trust its message. It is literally the words from God. It is trustworthy stuff. And so it brings comfort because it shows you how to live in the world. It shows you how to deal with the suffering, with the struggles. And as I read it, I just felt that joy of knowing that although everything around me is in chaos, here's something that isn't in chaos. Here is something that is ordered and perfect and good. Do you see how I found peace? See, I, I realized, I realize now looking back on that story that what I did then was I put my trust back in the rock. I, I, 
I started to trust in the one firm foundation that is holding my life. And when I did that, no matter how much that storm raged, no matter how much the suffering I was going through or, or stuff that I was experiencing, my house didn't fall down. I did not get to a point where I would say, my life has fallen apart. Now I hope, I hope you're trusting in this rock. And I hope from that story you can, you give, it gives you real reasons to come to this Jesus. And the good news is all can come to him. He says all who, who are heavy burdened and laden can come to me and I will give them rest. He doesn't discriminate. You might think you're the most evil person in the world, but you can come to him and you can find rest in him. So hopefully that's a good worked out example that gives you a summary of everything that we've gone through. But the one thing we haven't dealt with, and it's it's the last thing that I want to speak about in my talk today, which is we haven't spoken about death. And the reason I want to talk about death is because death is like the ultimate storm that comes in life. And death is the one storm that basic that proves that there is no other foundation that you can trust in other than the Lord. You know, I've been to uh, a fair amount of funerals in my life. Um, and every time I go to a funeral, and, and you, you experience this too, every time we, we attend funerals, there's always that part of the funeral that's the eulogy where um, people share about the person's life. And and in that, you get to see um, just how that person has built up their life. Um, they will share about you know the wonderful things this person did. Maybe they built a great business. Maybe they were a great father. Um, maybe they were um, people who loved a certain hobby or um, you know, uh, people who loved a certain style of clothing or things. And you really get to see just how this person has built up their life and what their life looks like and how it's shaped and how it's designed. But at the end of the day, there's always that uncomfortable feeling, especially when you're at a non-Christian's funeral, because you know that no matter how great they built up that life, one storm has come and it has completely flattened the house. That is death. You know when you're watching that funeral that that person has got into that that casket and he's not getting up or she's not getting up. That's a saddening thought. It just shows you that no matter what else you trust your life in, you're never going to defeat death. That storm is going to come. But here's the joy of Christianity. Christianity tells us that there is a way to get around death. Uh, have a look at Romans. Um, I'm reading from Romans chapter 6. Uh, it's verse 5 to 7, and it's quite awesome because last week Black spoke from Romans chapter 5. Um, sorry for that sound on my computer. <laughs> um, and, uh, and he shared from Romans chapter 5 where he talked about our biggest problem and how Jesus has defeated our biggest problem at the cross. And here he talks about the effects of that. And he says the effects of that means that we no longer face death. Listen to Romans uh, 6 verse 5. 
to 7. It says, sorry, verse 5 to 8. For if we have been united with him in death, in, in a death like this, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. So the big point that I want you to see there is that because Jesus has died for us and died in our place, that means that when he rose again, we rise with him. So when we died, when Jesus died at the cross, we died as well because he took our place. He died as our substitute. He died in our place on the cross. And therefore, if he's our substitute in death, it means that he's our substitute in life. It means that he's defeated our death. So we carry on living and we carry on living in him. What does this mean for Christians? Well, it means that there's a certain joy when we go to a Christian funeral. Yes, Christian funeral, any funeral is sad and we should mourn, but there is one joy. A Christian who's died is just transitioning to another place. They're not completely gone. Which means it's like it's like we're going to an airport with them. When you go to an airport and someone travels to, um, if they immigrate and they're moving to a, a, a better country, um, it's not like you can you know really go to a better country than South Africa, but for the illustration, please, just help me out here. If they're traveling to a better country uh, and you're at the airport with them, you're sad, right? You're sad because you're not going to see them for a long time. But you're also joyful because you, you know that they're going to a better place. Um, and so you can laugh with them. You can cry with them. You can talk about what they're going to expect and what they're going to see. Um, you can be excited for them because you know they're going to grow into much better people or um, and have really awesome experiences and stuff. And so when they get on the plane and they're flying off, you're sad because you're not going to see them, but you're also rejoicing. And this is what we can do as Christians. When death comes, we mourn because our friend is traveling away from us and we're not going to see them for a while. But we can also rejoice because we know that they're going to a better place. Uh, and, and this place really is better. Um, to close off, I thought I would share about some of the stuff about how this place is better. Um, in Revelation 20, you can go and read it for yourself. Uh, it really is a beautiful picture and it describes heaven. And, and here are some of the descriptive points. Uh, it describes uh, um, the new heavens and the new earth as like a city. Um, and it's a city without sin. Uh, and what that means is that it's it's going to be very much it's going to look very much like the world we live in, except it's just going to be perfect. Um, if if God had wanted us to live in a place like Eden, He would have said uh, He would have described it as a garden, but instead He describes it as a city. Uh, and that tells us that, that there will be things like technology. There will be technology developments. Um, and it's not, you, you might think, oh, I hate technology. Technology is a terrible thing. But the reason you hate technology is because sin is in the world. 
this is going to be technology without sin. And, and we know that another reason we know technology is going to be there um, is because uh, before the fall, um, God said we were made in his image and God's creative. Uh, he, he, he's built a beautiful world. He's built a beautiful place. Uh, and so if we're made in his image, it means we get creative. Uh, it means we develop cool technologies to make us do things better, which all comes out of our creativity. Um, and so there will be things, li- there will likely, I don't know if this is true, but there will likely be things like skyscrapers and maybe there will be cars and maybe there will be airplanes, but they will be perfect. Um, so we can't really picture it, but we can kind of get a little bit of an idea. Um, there will be artwork, there will be painting, because again, our creativity comes with us. It's a good part about us that God made before the fall. Um, so there will be also, there will be music, there will be singing, there will be, um, all different forms of art. Um, so it's a city. Um, and, uh, Revelation 20 also says that we'll be with God. Um, now, a lot of people, when they think of heaven, they tend to think of this like um, that we'll be floating on clouds. Um, but we've already seen that actually, no, we're going to be part of a city. Um, so they kind of picture that when they die, they're going to be to, like floating in the clouds with a harp. The Bible doesn't say anything about that. Um, and uh, instead, what it says is that we'll be with God. Now, a lot of people also think that when it says we'll be with God, they kind of think that we will just be involved in this eternal long praise and worship session. And um, that's not the case. Uh, we will be glorifying God, but in so many ways. Uh, there's a book by Randy Alcorn called Heaven, and in it he gives this really helpful illustration. He says, our best picture of heaven is what we see before Genesis 3, um, before the fall, before Adam and Eve sin. And... Um, and so if we want to know what heaven is going to be like, we've got to go look at Genesis 1 and 2. And, um, and, and it gives us, it doesn't give us the full picture, but it gives us a kind of picture. And, uh, and he says, um, imagine Adam and Eve are sitting and Eve is, uh, eating the fruits of the trees. because um, remember God said they can eat of any fruit, they just couldn't eat from one tree. And so she's just enjoying all the fruits and the trees that God has allowed them to eat. And she's looking at all the animals, um, and she's looking at um, just the beauty of the landscape. And she goes, Adam, isn't this just beautiful and amazing? And I mean, look at these animals. Look how incredible they are. And, and look at this fruit. Adam, Adam, you've got to try this mango. This mango is just, this is like the greatest mango I've ever eaten. And I mean, it would be literally the perfect mango because it doesn't have sin. It's not part of a fallen world. And then... Adam turns to her. Now imagine Adam saying this. He says, um, Eve, stop focusing on the creation and on the, the animals and on the fruits. Rather spend your time focusing on God. You know, you need to spend more time rejoicing in God and, and focusing on Him. Now who would be in the wrong there? Well, the person who would actually be in the wrong is actually Adam. Because Eve is enjoying God. Because Eve is marveling at all the stuff that he has made. She she is rejoicing in God in a completely different way by enjoying his creation. The very thing he, he created us to enjoy his creation. 
And so when we get to heaven, it's not going to be this thing of us continually just being in one long praise and worship session. We're going to be exploring the world. We're going to be seeing all the different things. The one thing that we will do, though, is we will, we will rejoice in the Lord for it um, because of we'll know that it's him who's done it. It'll be like walk, walking into a, um, a museum um, where it's covered with lots of paintings, we, we really rejoice on the artist. And in fact, what often happens is we get to know a lot about the artist simply by looking at all their paintings. Perhaps we'd learn more from the paintings than we might learn from a conversation. And the last thing is, um, is that it's a place where there's no suffering. That's probably the best thing, right, isn't it? Because that is the one thing. We, we would love our world a lot more. We love our world, but we would love it a lot more if there wasn't hurt and there wasn't pain and there wasn't suffering. And here, in the new heavens and the new earth, it says that there will be no tears. There will be no mourning. There will be no sorrow. We'll just have this awesome relationship with the Lord in heaven. So in closing, I hope you see just how incredible it is that we have this foundation that will never move. It will never change. And look what it offers. It offers a God who is sovereign. It offers a God who is a friend. It offers a, a God who has a word which will never fail. Uh, and it offers... A solution to death. We will never die. Instead, we will live in this place which we will enjoy forever. We have got something incredible here, which is a rock that is the most, the ultimate foundation. And see, so here's what I want to ask you as we close. Do you trust in this firm foundation? If you're not a Christian, do you trust in this foundation? Because I want to invite you to do that. I want you to invite you to put your trust in Jesus. If you are a Christian and you perhaps you've heard the these the series and you've never really thought about it this way, perhaps you you've been trusting in so many other things. It's like you've been trying to put other foundations in, and suddenly you realize just how how much of a foundation Jesus is in your life. Well, rejoice. And continue on this road of discovering what it means to have Jesus as your foundation. Um, join us for illumination on Friday night. Uh, join us on uh, Sunday mornings. And uh, when church gets back together, I want you to come and chat. Come say hi. Get to know us. It would be great. All right, let me pray for us. Father God, I just thank you so much that we can trust in you, that we can rely on you, that you are the great and firm foundation. Uh, Father, I pray now that you will continue to help us to be a firm foundation. And I pray, Lord, for any people who are non-believers, I pray if they're listening to this, that they will learn to put their trust in you. And I pray this in your name. Amen. All right, everybody, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, as I said, we have a Zoomination on Friday. Uh, it starts at half past seven and uh, it's on Zoom. Uh, check out our illumination. Check out our um, our TikTok page. It's called Illumination Youth. Um, scroll down, you'll find the video with the details. Um, if you can't and you're struggling to get to get involved in this, uh, just 
call the church, uh, or you can email me or uh, send me a. Uh, you can actually no, I can't put my number on this, but you can uh, you can email me. My email address is Gareth G A R E T H M at Christchurchmidrand.co.za. Thanks very much, everybody. Goodbye.